Warning, the host of this podcast has a penchant for the pontification of puns and an altruistically alienating affection for alliteration. If you suffer a weak constitution or get annoyed easily, you may want to seek prior medical advice or avoid this particularly perplexing pod podcast as the host is unbalanced as a washer full of shoes. Salutations, my slumberless stoners of simpatico circumstances. This is your dosing of dope, Jackpot, here with another installment of the Chronic Insomnia Podcast. I'm sitting here with Brittany Anderson, a.k.a. Birdie, very good friend of mine. We've known each other for quite some time, intimately. So she's going to... Yeah, me, 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 me. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are and, and, and what's going on with you. I'm Birdie. Hi. I used to work for a medical marijuana company in Florida that went through two different name changes. And I worked both in the dispensaries and I also worked in the grow facility as well. So I did front desk stuff, helping customers and everything. And then I did behind the scenes logistics stuff as well. And how long did you do that? Uh, About a year, a little over a year. And And so your industry experiences is a little limited but what what was your opinion like of of the industry and then we'll get into more specifics but what is the overall your opinion on the the movement the industry well coming from the state of florida as you well know (laughs) for somebody who has no real experience it's a little bit mind-bending and not really a Negative way, but also not really a positive way. It just warps your view because Florida has a much different view of the medical marijuana industry versus all of the other states. And it's not really a state that you want to base any kind of master plan off of. It's a state you look at to learn from by their mistakes, which is a lot. But... Because I worked in both sides of the industry, I got to see the dispensary side first. So I did a lot of customer service. I did a lot of helping out customers, just educating them also while learning myself. I did learn a lot from you because you helped me when I got the job really weave through all of say political bullshit that comes with Mm the Florida medical marijuana industry. I told you how to work at a dispensary, not how to follow the policy. Yeah. In the dispensary, what they expect you to have is a lot of yes and behavior. And you're basically throwing products at a person, which I don't like. And I think is very counterintuitive to what... Right. It's like the upselling in retail. Correct. Yes. Which in some cases, it works if you have a customer that comes in who already knows what they're doing, who is basically looking to get more, then you can upsell them and yes and them. But a lot of the people that would come in are first time users or are people who are trying to get away from opioids because they've been stuck on them for 20 plus years and it's literally killing them because that's what Florida is. They're a big pharma state. They're not a medical marijuana state. They're a big pharma state, and that's how they want to keep it. But working in the behind the scenes at the actual grow facility, you got to see a lot more operational stuff. 
dealing with the day to day, like what I did was logistics and packing for the dispensaries. So I would help figure out home deliveries and contact the dispensaries all across the state, making sure, okay, what are you low on? What do you need? All that kind of stuff. But also being in the actual plant growing facility, helping trim, I would pack for dispensaries as well to make sure that they were fully stocked as well. I got to see the ins and the outs of the facility, even though the company wasn't good at what they were doing. So as far as your first time ever experiencing anything, and not even just because I know your, your history, we'll get, in, get into that, but like someone who has never experienced any sort of, of drug culture or anything like that, and then coming in, just your bare bones opinion on, because you saw the dispensaries and you saw the front, and that's a the flash in the face, and that's what everybody sees, and that's the bright lights of it, but being in the actual dirt and shit like that, just from a, a first time standpoint, what's your, how did you feel just doing that, like growing it and, and, and trimming it and being a part of the actual cultivation process of it. Like, how did you, you feel just about I, that? Whole, I really enjoyed situation? it. Like I really enjoyed it. I, it was always something to keep busy with taking away the, how do you want to say it? Bullshit back. Yes. The yes. The back, because a lot of you it can was say whatever you want. I have that little explicit next to my show. So say whatever you <laughs> okay. mind. Okay. Dealing with all of the higher up bullshit because of who we worked for, there was a lot yeah, well, of Well, that's people, what I'm saying. Just the general. Yeah. yeah like like there's, there's the people, bullshit of the corporations and, and things like that. But just the the bare working in a marijuana cultivation facility. Forget yeah. who it was or what it was. Just as a first time walking into that and just working in a cannabis. I enjoyed it. Being in the in the cultivation facility, I enjoyed it. I liked the hustle and bustle of it. I really liked the passion of the people that worked there. You met a lot of really good people who are just really passionate about their jobs and they really want to make a difference, either for personal reasons, because they want to be able to say, hey, I grew that or I helped develop that, or for the financial reasons, which is I'm learning to hone my craft to make it better for myself in the future. Right. I really liked that. I had a really good conversations with a lot of people. You learned a lot about what they hoped for the industry as far as hoping what Florida would change if they ever do. It was really nice to be there. I do still wish I was there because I really enjoyed working there. I really liked my job, but again, it was, too many hands in the pie mm. that were just causing a lot of inner turmoil and bullshit. Pun. Like you totally missed, totally missed the pot pun. You could have been like, there were too many hands in the pot. Get them. I leave the puns to you, okay? You are the Fair master enough. of Fair puns. Enough. Fair enough. All right. And then what about just what your exposure to the, the cultural movement? How has your opinion changed? Because I know before you had a, a very specific opinion of kind of drug use across the board. And mm -hmm. then I helped you open up and you became a patient for the first mm -hmm. time. And we'll get into a little bit about that because of the actual physiological reasons why you became a patient. But just real quick, what's your, like, how has your opinion changed? Is it no more, no longer black, black and white, or is it still black and white, but cannabis has switched over to the not bad side? You can't really say white or black because that's racist. So it's still black and white, 
but it's one or the other and you don't specify a color because of the all right i'm getting off it. yeah so your overall opinion of just cannabis use as a culture how has that changed over the last handful of years growing up i had that whole view of it's bad. My brother and my sister did it a lot. So I grew up with my parents constantly yelling at them, my brother getting in trouble. And he had his own drug problems and all of that. But I grew up with that small town view of, oh, this is really bad. It's that Nixon era fear that the war on drugs. (laughs) Yes, just like that. But as I got older, it was one of those it is becoming more socially acceptable. So it's either I look into it, either I look into it and educate myself because like I knew for a fact that it did help people, but I never really took the time to look into it and educate myself. And then you really helped me with that. And then when I got into the industry, my education blew up and I learned a lot more and I was actually able to help a lot of patients as well. Every day when I worked at the dispensary, new, somebody new was coming in that needed to be educated. So while I was educating them, I was also educating myself. And as far as a patient standpoint, so let's, that's really loud. Good God, I'm in my head. As, as far as a patient goes, whatever you're comfortable with sharing, like as, as much as you want, what makes you a patient? What do you have that you needed help with it that defines whatever the, the endometriosis and things like that, but anything mm-hmm. else that you want to go into that you can say that it was a part of your life or defined certain moments, or it was one of the things that you're like, hey, you know what, maybe this will help. And then when it did help, how it helped in, in any way, physical, physiological, psychological, whatever you're comfortable with. I will preface this for the male listeners out there that this will be talk of female issues. So just be warned about that is slight It's going to get gross, guys. <laughs> not really gross. No, it's not, it's, no. It might be a little uncomfortable for some men. but in, if, if they're this far into the show, they're comfortable with just about anything. Okay. All right. Just about anything. You guys got I like this thing. Okay. Ah. okay. Let's go. So in 2012, I was diagnosed with endometriosis, which is the lining of the uterus grows on the outside of it and it creates basically rot from the inside. It causes lesions to attach to your internal organs. So it's really painful. Like currently I have lesions on my ovaries, my intestines and my appendix, which creates very painful moments, especially when stressed. And you have seen firsthand how bad it can be. Literally firsthand as in carrying you into the hospital. Yes. So there were a lot of times where it was just unbearable. And for years to help manage that, it was a steady diet of ibuprofen and other painkillers. But I ended up getting allergic to a lot of the heavy painkillers. So I wasn't really able to take them. I, when I had surgery for the endometriosis in 2016, I think it was 2017. Yeah, it was like, it was like December. Yeah. September, November, um, December. And then when I was recovering from, that's when you've started talking to me about, hey, maybe you want to try something different. And at the right. time, I was pretty much open to anything because it well, was. Well, because at that time, and, and still, even afterwards, like on top of the medication, you were taking a bunch of multivitamins because. It was causing different issues with different things. So like mm-hmm. on any given day, I remember throughout the day, you would take a dozen 
different medications for yeah. different things. And then you'd have to do supplements and, and, and things like that. So I knew that's why I got off of it in the first place because the, the military, that's, it helped me get off so much. So I, that's why I'm. And I'm a very small person. So like I'm five foot, I'm 120 pounds. I'm a very tiny person to be on all of this medication. It started to really fuck my body up. Like it was awful. It was getting to that point where the medications were doing more harm than good for me. Yeah. So, and then also like your your back from hockey, like you've got two herniated discs yep. or bulging right discs at the bottom of your spine. So there's that too. And then you've got the, the RLS. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a lot of like nerve, a lot of tendon, a lot of like physical pain caused because of internal trauma. So it's like mm-hmm. sometimes you radiate the pain. Yes. Yes. And like on especially stressful days, it can be all like a full body experience <laughs> to where it's just awful. At that time, I was honestly, I was desperate to try anything. So I was like, you know what? Screw my well, we previous view of it. Initially, remember, we got you on CBD before. Yes. Everything. Yes. And then because and, and then because I remember like seeing as much. Right. But it was noticeable when you were off of it. Yes. Yes. It was at the time the CBD while I was taking it, I didn't really see much of a difference. But the times that, you know, I either ran out and there would be like a week or two weeks where I didn't have any, I started to notice like my anxiety was up. My pain was just like flip flopping. I was having more flare ups than I was Mm -hmm. used to. And I was, okay, it may not seem like it's doing a lot, but it actually is. But at the time I was like, okay, this is helping. It's like a heating pad for a full body thing that I really need help with. Right. So it was just a band-aid until I could find something better. And, and when I, you. yes, when I started working at the dispensaries, that's when I really started to delve headfirst into researching, okay, what is going to work? Did. I was really proud of you. Like you were really legitimately considering it and you did all of your, your homework. You did your due diligence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I felt like I not only owed it to myself, but I also owed it to my patients who I was helping every day because right. I'm not going to be one of those used car salesmen that is just shoving shit on people without actually educating them and finding out what their exact needs are. Because there's so many strains out there and so many different types, whether it's inhalant tinctures, capsules, suppositories. You have to tailor make your presentation to that patient in that moment. Like for me, I'm an asthmatic as well. So I can't have anything. Which is a big hurdle for, yeah, (laughs) that was one of the big things. It was always like, I had to to get it out of your head that it's, you don't just smoke it. (laughs) At the time, I didn't know there was anything else. Like I was so used to people. uh, Yeah, I have learned all of that now. (laughs) Thank you. At the time, it was, oh, there's, again, so much more out there. Where was I? You had just gotten into it and you, you know, realized, yeah. you got into the industry and realized as both new in the industry and a patient yourself, you were learning the options, yeah. the versatility. Yeah. So doing all of that research, I was able to really figure out that the tinctures work the best for me because I am asthmatic. They have a longer lasting effect for me and it's more of a body effect depending on the strains that I take because I take mm-hmm. mostly indicas for the body pain. I can't take sativas because 
we know how that ended up last time. But that was also yes, just for anybody who wants to know, because the first time we did it, I got too goddamn excited because I've been with her forever and it's a really big part of my life. And she agreed to it, so I got her so high she vomited all the potassium out of her system. I had to take her to the hospital. It was nothing to do with the cannabis. It was my overzealous dumbass going. So I got her really stoned and she puked. It happens to everybody at least once. It wasn't a lot of people, especially just... their first time. It wasn't that I just puked. I was having full body seizures for six hours. Because you puked all the potassium out of your system. And you were having, <laughs> what happened? What happened? All right, so, so go ahead. That was, that was my fault, all right? That was my fault. I take responsibility for that. I had nothing to do with anything other than the fact I was, I'm like, as she's little. I'm a big fucking dude. So. And you concentrate when I needed yeah. something else. Less. So it's the tinctures also help because it's a lot more easier to control the dosage. We learned that one the hard way. I still take tinctures to this day. I use them mainly at night for sleep because I feel like that's when my pain and my anxiety is at its worst. So if my anxiety acts up, I get stressed out and then my body gets stressed out and that's when my endometriosis flares up. So it's like a whole ripple effect, but much healthier in that aspect. I have at least most of the endometriosis and the pain from everything else under control and manageable. It's one of those, I know I'm going to have surgery in the future for a lot of this stuff, but this is helping stave that diagnosis off for at least a couple years because I am able to manage it with all this. So you you noticed a difference like between the CBD and because we've got you on a like a one-to-one or a higher CBD ratio but there's definitely THC so you noticed that the THC that it filled in the gaps or yes yeah so going from the CBD to a one-to-one really made a difference because I did need that extra THC like I had tried like a a full THC it was a full indica THC at Mm -hmm. one point and that did help I used that, that you couch lock. like that puts you out. <laughs> yeah, that that knocked my ass out. But I felt like to function and to be less groggy in the morning, I needed to step down to a one to one, which is what I still take today. And it makes it easier to wake up in the morning and easier to kind of function. Like I take a double dose at night and in like two, three hours, I start to feel it and I get funny. <laughs> I am smiling at everything yeah. and everything in my body just tingles and it is hilarious. So serendipitous. Technical difficulties. Please stand by. No, we're good. What is it? What is it like going from, cause I know Florida, whatever, just, just industry to industry. Cause you're up in New York now. How is, how is the industry there? Like access for patients, quantity of dispensaries, like locations, things like that. What's the, cause I know you were looking into that. I'm honestly still researching all of that because with it the pandemic, no, with <laughs> very funny, with the pandemic, it's very hard. But I have learned that there are a lot more mom and pop places up here, so they're standalone companies. But with COVID going on, a lot of them are either closed or limited openings. There's less. What's the word? Big companies up here because the rules are written differently up in New York. And especially in the area that I live, you have to drive to most places. So it's not like where we lived where there was a 10 mile radius and there were about 50 different stores. See, you think it's funny. It's funny because New York is doing it right, but they're doing it slow. Florida Mm -hmm. did it wrong and they did it fast. But the thing is, 
like here in Oklahoma, it's, it was out in Washington. It's the same thing in Colorado, which I found is less than 10 hours away. I'm taking a weekend to Colorado, Dan. I'm coming to see you, buddy. But uh, like there are within, I shit you not, within when I was talking with Lydia, it was the last show about this, probably 10 within walking distance of my apartment right now. There's, I think the closest one is like a mile and a half away. Like it's like it was out there. They're everywhere absolutely everywhere and we've got the vertically integrated ones like we have some of the larger ones like cure leaf is out here i think cookies has got one out i'm so fucking excited for that they just opened one up in washington but so it's interesting because florida one of the things that i found the most difficult with florida is the fact that you've got 14 different operating licenses all right that's fine but there's only you know four, really 14 choices where out here it's endless and most places where it's either rec or medical and they've been doing it for a while it's endless, like endless choices and things like that but it's interesting to hear that in New York, like they've got it set up to where you can have collective or cooperative or vertically integrated. And there just aren't a lot of vertically integrated. There aren't a lot of large companies, but there aren't a whole lot of the smaller ones either due to the, the pandemic, which is interesting because cannabis is deemed, you know, essential. So is that, is it just, so how is it access wise as someone to get their recommendation? I have to become a New York state license holder again. Right. So once I do that, it, it's very similar from what I'm understanding. It is similar to Florida, except for the whole doctor's prescription recommendation. Okay. We'll look into reciprocity because I think New York has it. I know Oklahoma does. I know Colorado. There's, there's, I think there's like 18 states with reciprocity or 12 or some shit like that. But that means if you had a valid, you can apply for temporary. You can apply for a temporary one because I'm, I'm in the same situation. Like I have to start working. So I had to get my temporary one because I'm not going to be able to get a license here until like in December because the place is yeah. crazy, totally booked up. So look into, in, into temporary ones. And, the, and that means that you can get one with an out of state license because Florida, Florida doesn't have reciprocity, but other states that have reciprocity will accept a, a Florida med card. Yeah. My question is, in in the terms of how Florida works, the whole the one thing I never understood was the doctor's prescription. While yes, I can see how it could be necessary, but the continuous you have to get a prescription every seven months or every thirty days for certain things. That was the one thing that always really bothered me about Florida compared to other states. Right. And I know they did that on purpose, but it just mm -hmm. From the different standpoint of other users or other listeners, I, I just want them to understand how stupid it is so that they understand what we dealt with firsthand. All right. So basically, vertical integration is not a horrible idea. Vertical integration is really good if you have the resources and you know what you're doing it for the right reason. That means everything that you sell is, is done in-house. The problem is... Florida, because of Governor Moby, it was insanely expensive to do. And it wasn't just like a lottery system. It wasn't just you've got a certain number of licenses and you have to apply. It was you had to pay a non-refundable fee of about $70,000 in the beginning for an opportunity to get a chance to be put into a list, to be looked at, to be considered for a possibility of going up for a drawing to possibly get a chance to get a spot in a lottery to get a license that could still get denied at the very end. And after that, you've already, got, you've, you've already spent well over $100,000 just in licensing and things like that alone. Yeah. Then your facilities 
to sell have to fall under a certain zoning. And that, mm-hmm. that's one thing. And Florida's got a lot of counties and cities with moratoriums. Like Orange County, where we were at, was fine. But the city we were in had a moratorium. And the county right next to us had a moratorium. It's very difficult like that. But the actual processing facilities had to adhere to medical, agricultural, industrial, and cannabis. And agricultural, industrial, medical. And then at one point, food grid. But then the the state cannabis restrictions. So there were four different governing departments with four distinct zoning requirements. So you had to find a facility that you could produce medical, like you could produce a, a prescription medication in, but still had to adhere to Florida's agricultural zoning laws and still had to adhere to Florida's industrial zoning laws because it was an industrial processing facility that still had to adhere to all of state medical laws because it was a medical prescription that had to adhere to all of state's cannabis laws because it was a cannabis process. So it was an industrial medical cannabis agricultural processing facility that adhered to four and and things like that. And if you're a good city planner, you put all of those places as far away from as, as possible because you don't want an industrial plant right next to a greenhouse because you don't want that right next to a pill processing center or a place where they, they make prescription medications or bottling plants and things like that because those core, those different industrial, you know, companies or businesses or whatever, that they're core, they're different. So it was made as frustrating as possible to make it difficult so that one, the pharmaceutical companies had time to either adapt or pull out and two, give enough time to fight back and to hope and to still hold out against the whole aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And so then it, on... was, it was, sorry, no, go ahead. And then but on uh, a patient level, the hoops right. that a patient had to go through just to because it's get so a expensive. card. Yeah, like right. you had because to Florida make an appointment. And, that, and that's, yeah. So what it was is Florida didn't develop cannabis clinics. Like okay. they didn't have that. What it was is the amendment was passed and then doctors with already established practices were allowed to sign up for a list to start prescribing the recommendations. So what that does is with the cannabis clinics, that you have in most other states. And when you see that green cross or something like that, or get your recommendation or whatever it is, you pay like a hundred dollars, most places. And that gets you your doctor's recommendation, which is a physical, like that's what you're paying for. You're paying for basically a physical. Mm-hmm. And then you're paying for the state license, which is a hundred dollars. The problem with that is these doctors that have signed up can charge whatever they want. Yes. Then they also have the option to pay the state. But the problem with that is then they then are in contract with the state and all, that, that patient list is under a registry, which mm-hmm. is what it is anyway, but the doctors don't want that. Mm-hmm. So it's separated. So basically what Florida did was that Florida took the entire concept of collective and cooperative and split it in half. And we're like, all right, so the state does this and this and then this, and the businesses do this and this and this and this. And, and there's no cohesion and <laughs> really stoned. So basically what it is, Everywhere else, you go to one place, you pay like 100 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever, and the doctor takes care of your state recommendation. Like he registers you with the state and puts everything in there, and that's what it goes through. And you you get it within a week sometimes. When I went to Washington, I got it that day. Like I went in, I paid it, took the physical, and was done. Yeah, it um, took us, so what, 30 what it days? Is. Yeah, it took 30 days, and the process is Florida can still deny it. And that's because yeah. they've got complete and utter micromanaging level control over every aspect of the process. And that is what makes it so difficult. And because everything is so expensive, 
because you have to already have money to start. You already set the precedent that you want these big autonomous omniscient corporations as opposed to helping patients. It's they wanted to quickly and efficiently and flashily and distractive, you know, distracting enough replace the pharmaceutical industry that had numbered days and fill in with their new their new the new cannabis industry. Yeah. From firsthand experience, you can't even really necessarily call it a physical when you go to these doctors. Like you and I literally just took some paperwork in there. The doctor looked at it. Go to the doctor's office. It was at another location. It was at one of our dispensaries. Yeah, we went to a dispensary location (laughs) because they were having a special weekend for employees where you could go talk to the doctor and your doctor would give you the recommendation. But it was basically you took your previous medical paperwork in there. The doctor looked at it and said, "Okay, what do you want? And you basically would tell him either I want everything, meaning I want inhalation recommendation. I want oral. I want uh, syringe. (laughs) You had to basically tell him how much you wanted also, because the one thing I saw the most happen was these doctors give patients such low recommendations and they don't realize that every company is different. The way that we sell things when we have to put it in the registry is completely different compared. So we have to do things by the milligram dosage. Mm -hmm. So most of the products were, you know, 600 milligrams or 300 milligrams. And if you give a patient a recommendation for, 30 days or two months of just 600 milligrams, they can come in that day and get two items. And those two items won't even last them a week. So I had to educate a lot of patients and tell them when you talk to your doctors, make sure you're telling them to give you a high enough milligram dosage because that's what we subtract our medication from because on the Florida state registry, which was, just a mess to begin with you had to subtract so much and when it got down to zero your recommendation was expired for that specific thing so you had to move on to something else so we saw a lot of people when they had finally approved whole flower usage at first it was two ounces so a lot of people would come in and max that out and they would have to wait another 30 days because it was five ounces. Of, I think it was five ounces a month and two and a half ounces every 30 days or every 15 days or however it works. But a lot of people would max that out and they would come in two later. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh, sorry, you can't get anything because your recommendation for this is expired. And they're like, you know, what the hell? And a lot of people would also run into the issue of an expired card or an expired recommendation that they did not know about because these doctor's offices, yes. And we got into the habit of letting people know, hey, your recommendation is going to expire in 10 days or 30 days. And every time they would come in, we would have to remind them because these are our patients and we want their money. It's not like the doctors would actually call them. be like hey for your own health your expiration is coming up but we had to do a lot of our own due diligence to our patients to keep them up to date on everything and educate them for everything because things were constantly changing and Mm -hmm. it was such a clusterfuck 
with just the industry and how it was set up in general that we were still trying to navigate through it. And people that had been in the industry for years still don't know what is going on with Florida because you have totally different experience in states that are actually well put together, unlike Florida, which is a giant clusterfuck. So moving forward, now that you're out of there, what I what I described last time as a damp curling iron jammed down the crack of your ass, Ew. that's Florida, all aspects of Florida, <sighs> sort of everything. That's okay. Uh, so what <laughs> moving forward as a patient or as are you going to pursue like once this the pandemic stuff starts to to die down, things start to open up a little bit more and things start returning back to some semblance of normal, are you going to to try to pursue, you know, a career again in the cannabis industry or oh, you know something else or yeah? No, most definitely. I I want to try and stick with this industry because I really did love this industry. I loved Honestly, I liked working in the dispensaries more just because I'm more of a people person. I like to help educate people. Like I've had customer service jobs my whole life, and I think I was one of the only people in the world that actually enjoy customer service. I think you might be correct in that. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, I like helping people, and I like Maybe making somebody sure that somebody bitch they're... about some shitty day with a smile on their face. Like, how are you bitching and smiling at the same time? <laughs> I, I like to make sure that these people who are looking for genuine answers aren't getting swindled by idiots just wanting to sell them product. Because I, I witnessed that when I worked at the dispensaries, they would be like, Oh yeah, you totally want this. Or no, you totally want that. And I'm like, why are you giving these products to this person? Like what exactly is wrong with them? You know what you have to tailor make it, like I said, to that right. patient. Because not everything that you think is going to work is actually going to work for them unless you listen to that patient and their needs. But that was something that I always really enjoyed because I helped more people than I ever remember helping in my life. I had a lot of success stories of people coming off of opioids or people who were in severe accidents finally finding relief because I helped listen to them and I helped educate them and get them on a regimen that works for them. And I always prefaced it and told them, hey, this might not work, but we will keep trying. And then as far as a patient, are you just going to, you going to stick with what works or are you going to, you know, branch out into more things because it's a little more open up there? Are you going to, you know, try capsules or, you know, edibles, gummies, the smaller things? Obviously not the, the inhalation, but there's now there a big thing. And it's funny, it's sweeping across. It's been out for most places forever, but the, the drinks, there's a lot of, of liquids and stuff like that. The the drinks and stuff don't really interest me. Like taking the tinctures themselves, they're as flavored by terpenes as they are. They still taste like dirt and I still cringe every time I take them. <laughs> but I know that they work. You Florida stuff. Like, branch this, out your palate. True. You know that you are absolutely right about that. That is true. But I, I would definitely be interested in trying the edibles or the gummies. I think they would be fun. But I will probably most likely stick to what I know works. I'm always open to be like, hey, if I have a an empty weekend, I might as well try some gummies and so you're get... a little more open to the rep recreational aspect of it now that you're comfortable yeah. as a patient for the medical side, you're more into realizing that it also has this effect as well. So why not? Yeah, there's wrong with it. no, there isn't. And coming from that background where I was raised, <laughs> that oh, this is wrong. And watching my brother constantly get in trouble for using and having to go to rehab for it multiple times and being in jail and all that. It 
really things as well. Yes, for much harder things. It made all of that kind of disappear. Also working in the industry, I ran into a lot of people that were like that as well. So coming from that background, I was able to help them grow as people as well, because I could easily say to them, look, I was in your shoes growing up. I know, I I know exactly the mindset that you're dealing with. And I, I just want you to do me a favor and just for five minutes, open up your ears and be open to, you know, listening and be open to a different experience. And if after that, after you try it, you don't like it, that's on you. But at least you're willing to sit and listen. Sweet. Wonder where you got that philosophy. I wonder. So what are your, your hopes for the industry for somebody who does want to pursue a professional career? What are your what would you like to see more in your area and then long term? What are your, your hopes and, and dreams for the movement in the industry? I, I would definitely, because it is still stigmatized in a lot of areas, especially now in a town where I live, you know, it. <laughs> Not like a country song. Yes. Especially in small towns, it is still stigmatized, even though it's funny because half of the town is growing it illegally. And then half the town is, oh, that stuff is bad. I don't want to take any of that. Yes, but well, that's I, I would, how you're gonna get that a lot. Yeah, I would like to see it destigmatized for on a wider range, which it is. But at the same time, it's becoming to There's me it, heavy holdouts. Yes, it, it seems like more of a a luxury item now versus a necessity. I would like it to be more viewed as a necessity, like most life saving medication. Versus looking at it as a luxury item that, oh, I can choose to take this. Like a novelty. Correct. I would like to see it less novelty, more necessity, if that yeah. makes sense. So, oh, absolutely. What is, from your perspective, as someone who is relatively fresh to both the industry and being a patient, what is your takeaway and, and advice for other people who are just starting out or thinking about getting into it or thinking about becoming a patient, but were grew up with the taboo of it all and, and things like that? So what is, for anybody, both patient or, or prospective industry professional, like what is your advice, either if it's the same thing, if it's two different things, that's fine, but what is your advice for those people today from your perspective? My advice would be, Cast aside what you grew up with and be willing to listen. It might seem hard and you might be ingrained in you that, oh, this is bad. But at the end of the day, those views that you grew up hearing aren't going to help you heal. They're not going to help you physically or mentally when it comes to your own physical or psychological issues. I deal with pain every single day. And if I didn't cast those views aside and then just listen and both get educated and then educate myself, I wouldn't be at a manageable point in my life with my pain. I grew up with siblings that did it and parents who were very much against it. But now I'm that bridge between them because they still act like that. I'm that bridge between them. So when my parents are like, why do you do this? I do this because it helps people. It helps me. I'm able to function and be the person I am right now, which is calm and pain-free 
as much as possible every day because of this, because I took the time to actually sit down and listen to somebody who had experience far beyond me. And I was able to take that advice and kind of run with it and get to the point of education where I am today that I'm able to help beginners like myself and also still learn from the pros. That's why we're here, folks, changing minds and saving lives. That's how we do with the doobie doobie. Sorry. All right. Um, I'm glad to have you on. It was great. I really appreciate you sharing your story and opening up with us. My lips are stoned. Fucking You're always. I know. I know. It was a promise I made to myself very young in life. But I appreciate it. I really do. Thank you for, for being on. And thank you guys for listening. Appreciate everything. If you have a story to share, industry perspective, good, bad, indifferent, whatever, hit me up, mjbulls.com. Look at my little page. It's got contact info and, and bios and, and other episodes and things like that. And then it's got all the other amazing shows in the lineup, mjbulls.com. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Love you. Birdie, wonderful. Always great to see you. Glad you're doing well. Thank you for being on. And remember, people, tune in, toke up. Thank Chronic Insomnia Podcast.